0: Welcome to Kevin Conner's podcast. This series is on the church and spiritual warfare. During this series, Kevin Conner's best-selling book, The Church in the New Testament, is available at 50% off as an immediate PDF download from kevinconner.org, select monthly special. Let's just have a brief word of prayer as we uh, begin with the word. Father, we just uh, at this part of the service, we come to hear your word. We hold in our hands uh, the sacred word, which we believe is inspired by your Holy Spirit and infallible in its utterances. And we pray now, Lord, as we share together that your Holy Spirit will open our hearts, cause our hearts to be sensitive, Lord, and cause our minds to be open and responsive uh, just to what you want to say to us through your Word today. Bless your Word to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that your Word is forever settled in heaven. May it be forever settled in our hearts. We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's uh, look at Isaiah chapter 55. I'll switch over this now. Thanks, uh, Steve. Isaiah chapter 55, and I'd like to pick up verses 1 through to 4. Isaiah 55. Verses one through to four. Reading from the authorized Ho every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me, here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. May the Lord bless that portion of his word. Now let's turn over to the book of Revelation chapter 5. And I'd like to read uh, Revelation chapter 5 and verses 1 through to 10. Revelation 5 verses 1 through 10 And I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof and no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth was able to open the book neither to look thereon And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, a better translation is the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odours, or literally full of incense, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou hast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Everybody said Amen. As I was uh, preparing to uh, uh, share this morning and waiting on the Lord, I have been listening to the tapes of the various uh, ones that have been speaking in the number of weeks that I haven't spoken in the body here. Uh, listen to uh, Peter Sheen's excellent word as he took up the prophetic uh, word that came to us through Brother Canastrae. See how many remember that message, excellent message. Listen to David Searle's uh, message on the resurrection, Sue Carpenters on the, on the Lord Jesus Christ on traditional Friday and uh, Mark as he's been taking us through dynamic corporate gatherings. I've just been trying to listen to all the tapes. I still have about one to catch up on to because I, I like to hear what the Lord is saying through the various ministries in the body, not just through myself but through the oversight and through the various ministries the Lord brings us way. So as I was preparing yesterday, I began to read through the prophetic word again. And how many have got the prophetic word? Hands up. If you haven't got the prophecy, you must pick one up because we are at a war, a good warfare by the prophecies that went on before. So this is not to take home and let the silverfish eat it and die. Okay, the silverfish will eat this and read the prophecy and they will die, it'll kill them. <laughs> so it's not for the silverfish or the goldfish, it's for us. That we really, uh, really war good warfare by the prophecies and that we believe in the Lord our God and we'll be established, believe his prophets and we shall prosper. Now, as uh, Peter Sheen was taking you through various things that the Lord spoken to us in the prophecies, I read through a number, uh, quite a lot of it again yesterday and I picked up two other themes that were running through the prophetic word and this is what I want to share on. I wanted to uh, take you in the next number of weeks through a series entitled, The Church and Spiritual Warfare. Everybody say that with me. The Church and Spiritual Warfare. So, flowing through the prophetic word, with all the many, many things that the Lord has spoken to us as a church, uh, is this whole theme of spiritual warfare. So, on uh, tape number 3764, this was to the men. And the Lord says, I'm calling you to be men of prayer and intercession, I want you to cry and weep between the porch and the altar. I want you to understand spiritual warfare. I don't want you to be a wimp. I don't want you to be one that is always beggarly and beg. Uh, then it goes on here, uh, a word to the church, to the congregation. I want spiritual warfare raised in this congregation, pulling down strongholds. I have given you the keys of the kingdom. I want you to open doors that are being closed. I call you for greatness. You're going to be a church of many thousands, not only one building or two buildings, but many buildings. I am gathering, I am bringing increase and enlargement. I am gathering my warriors together. The soldiers are coming. I want this congregation to be on the alert. alert. Do you know what military alert is? When a whole brigade, brigade, when the whole company, the whole armed forces of a nation is on the alert, and I think we've seen that a little bit in a measure on the uh, news in the recent days in, in USA. But uh, whole armed forces of a nation is on alert, prepared and ready to go. I want this congregation to get into the alert mode. I want you to get into the alert mode. I want you to get ready for action. The trumpet is sounding. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Wake up the mighty women of God. Wake up the intercessors. And then in another part it says, and I have given you the war weapons to effect changes in your nation, in your government, changes in economics, changes in the political, changes in every kingdom of this earth. And then uh, a prophetic word that came to um, the, the women of the church and to uh, Mrs. Connor, the new Mrs. Connor, Reena Arrowsmith as she was then. I think she still believes it. Uh, I'm going to raise up, says the Lord, an army of women that know me and that know my presence, know how to intercede, know how to pray, know how to travel as in giving birth to a child. Uh, And then it says, I want you to sharpen, sharpen your implements of war. So uh, right throughout the prophecy, with all the things that Peter was sharing with us, and the warnings to us as a body, and the many things that the Lord said he was going to do through the church, is the whole thought of spiritual warfare. And then as I went through the prophetic word again, I found that there was another theme, And uh, it's been coming out recently, and that is the whole theme of spiritual worship. So listen to some of the words that come on this. This was to Mark, as well as to the church. Uh, You are going to be leading worship, and one day soon there will be no preaching, there will be no teaching. My glory is going to encompass this congregation, and they are going to be lifted up to high heaven. How many would like to be lifted up to high heaven? Better that than low hell. Amen. Amen. The glory is going to fall upon this people. The glory, the glory, perceptible and visible power of my presence. How many would like to see that? I've been in camp meetings, uh, but it always happens when I'm not there, but where there's been a visible manifestation of the glory cloud, that many people saw the presence of God in a visible cloud, hanging over the, the camp meeting I was at with Brother Mahoney a number of years ago. Uh, then he says here, and you, as you sing, blind eyes will be opened, deaf ears will be unstopped, hernias and ruptures will be healed, back problems and spinal disorders are going to snap into place and be healed. The glory of thy God shall fill the house of the Lord until the priests and ministers won't be out of minister. I will be doing it all. You'll just be singing and welcoming, welcoming my presence. How many can say amen to that? How many would like to see that? How many are looking forward to the Lord doing that? Just that, that's why I hate to miss a meeting you never know when the Lord's going to pop in on us remember when the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead he popped in on a meeting and he said to the disciples it's I don't be afraid see my hands and my side see my feet it is I and not another but there was a brother that missed that meeting who was it doubting Thomas and he said ah Always happens when I'm not there. Good meetings always when I'm not there. And he said, I'm not going to believe unless I see. And all of a sudden the Lord popped through the, the wall in his glorified body. He said, okay, Thomas, stop being a downing Thomas. Get a, go and be a shouting Thomas. Blessed are they that have seen and uh, have not seen and believed. So you never know when God is going to break in on us. I'm always frightened of missing me. I hate to go away for a holiday, even in case something happens at Waver that I'll miss. And people come back and say, "Oh, Kevin, you shouldn't have gone on your honeymoon. You shouldn't have been away. Uh, God came and something happened just when you weren't there, weren't there." So I just said, "Lord, just hold it till I get back. I don't want to miss anything." Everybody said, "Amen." And so worship, and then it goes on in this part to the men also. I want you to understand through prayer, through praise, through worship by using your vocal cords and by expressing yourself with loud cries with worship and high praise that you do affect the atmosphere over Melbourne and over Australia. I'm calling you to excel in worship. I want loud worship. I want hands raised. I want tears in your eyes. I want your hearts broken. I want you bowing. He goes on here, learn that you were to come out of your intimidation, come out of your fear and frustrations into a new release in worship and prayer. I'm calling you to be men of worship and intercession and praise. And then, uh, yeah, so that's another theme, just right through, so warfare and, 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 and spiritual warfare and spiritual worship. So, what I want to talk to you about in the next uh, number of weeks is a series on the church and spiritual warfare. But the first session in our very limited time, because it's been a very full service this morning, I want to just share a few moments, and I'll have to pick it up next, uh, next week, on worship and warfare. Everybody say that with me? Worship. Say it again? Worship. All right, so our first session is worship and warfare. Now, we sing a tremendous lot of warfare songs. How many have noticed that? I pick up the uh, pick up our little uh, uh, make a joyful noise uh, chorus list here, and sometimes I'm looking for songs on the blood. Not too much on the blood. I wish we had some more, but I find a tremendous lot of songs on warfare, and I just picked out some of them. You know, be bold, be strong. Everybody say, be bold, Be bold. Be 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 strong. For the Lord your God is with you. And we sing, blow you the trumpet in Zion, Zion, and for the Lord is marching on, for the weapons of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty through God. I can run through a troop and leap over the wall. Some of you can't even leap over a seat here, let alone leap over a wall. <laughs> I hear the sound of of the army of the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord for his triumph gloriously. In heavenly armour we'll enter the land. I'd like that to have a little bit uh, more militant tune to it instead of, In heavenly armour we'll enter the land. That doesn't sound militant enough for me. It sounds like a lullaby. (laughs) Some of these tunes, you have right tunes to wrong words and sometimes wrong words to good tunes. Let not get onto that. Okay, let God arise. Let his enemies be splattered, scattered. <laughs> Mighty warrior. Raise up an army, O God. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The gates of hell should not prevail. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Through our God we shall do valiantly. Uh, we are a people of power. We are the soldiers of the army. Onward chocolate soldiers. I uh, don't know. Onward Christian soldiers. Some Christians are chocolate soldiers. They're in the first church of the refrigerator and they love being a soldier in the first church of the refrigerator but bring them out and put them in front of the battle where the heat's on, they melt. (laughs) Not you now. In fact, I used to uh, sing a parody to one of the hymns on that onward yeah, onward chocolate soldiers, uh, like a mighty hospital moves the church of God. Brothers, we're not treading where the saints have trod. We are now divided. Lots of bodies, we, lots of hopes and doctrines and little charity. Well, it shouldn't be like that. Like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we're not divided. We're one in hope and one in doctrine. So, tremendous hymn. Uh, I'm building a people of power. God's got an army marching through the land. You know, we sing so many songs about warfare, don't we? How many have noticed that? Well, at least six of us. How many have noticed the many, many songs we sing of warfare? Yeah. Now, the thing is, uh, as we're going to be sharing together, it's possible to sing about the war, but do we really understand what the war is all about? Now, it's lovely to sing, God's got an army marching through the land, and, you know, God's got an army and we're marching on with Christian soldiers and everything like that Here. But do we really know what the war is about? Do we really know who our enemies are? Do we realise that Waverly Christian Fellowship as well as other true churches, uh, we're at war, we're under attack? Waverly's on the hit list. Did you know that with the Satanist churches? We are on the hit list. So, as I'm saying here, it's possible to sing about the war, but do we really understand what the war is about? Do we really understand... Uh, our enemies one of the first principles of warfare and we'll be dealing with this on a Sunday one of the first principles of warfare is know know your enemy do we know who our enemies are? really are we being overcomers or are we being overcome? are we winners or losers? are we victorious or defeated? now I want you to go back to Isaiah chapter 55 here the first uh, passage of scripture we read and pick up uh, several thoughts here. <coughs> Isaiah chapter fifty-five. Now here the prophet, uh, verses one through to four, is calling to the people of his time, and uh, what is applicable to his people and his time is also ap- applicable to us. If it's truth, truth is applicable in every generation. Everybody hear what I said then? Truth is applicable in every generation. What is truth now was truth a hundred years back. Is that right? What was truth a hundred years back was truth two thousand years back. What was truth two thousand years back was truth four thousand years back. Truth is everlasting, truth is eternal. Because many times people say, well that was to them, that's not to us. No, truth is applicable in every generation. Truth is eternal, truth is timeless. So here the prophet Isaiah is calling to people, Ho! Hi there! That's what he's really saying in the modern vernacular. Hi! Everyone that's thirsty, come to the waters. If you've got no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, without money and without price. What I'm offering you spiritually, spiritual waters, uh, spiritual food, it's priceless. Priceless. So come, come to the waters. It doesn't matter about money because you cannot buy spiritual things with money. It's priceless. So he challenges them in verse 2. Why are you spending money for that which is not really bread and you're laboring for that which doesn't really satisfy? Listen to me. Come and eat what's really good and let your soul delight in fatness. In verse 3 he challenges them. Incline your ear. Give me your attention. Listen attentively. Come unto me. here and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. And after mentioning David, he says, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander of the people. Now, as we go through the word of God, we find that God has chosen uh, many men and many women in the Bible and set them forth with some uh, particular attributes and sometimes a sort of a major attribute that's in his own character and nature. For instance, when we think of the tremendous attribute of faith, if I asked you, who, what man in the Bible would you point to who had the great characteristic of faith? Who would you say this morning? Everybody say it out loud. Abraham. Abraham. Abraham, yes. Abraham is the father of all who believe. He's the father of the faithful. So whether they be Jew or Gentile, he's the father of all who believe. So Abraham is chosen by God the Father as the father of the faithful. If I ask you, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, who is a man or a person that emp- uh, exemplifies the tremendous quality of meekness? Who would you say? Everybody say it. Moses. Moses was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. And as uh, we say meekness, I think this definition of meekness is about the best I've heard. Uh, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control. Now many times Moses could have, uh, you know, done his cool He did a couple of times and lost out in the promised land I I always feel sorry for the guy but uh, he was a meek man and meekness is strength under control meekness is not weakness but strength under control if I uh, wanted to ask you say can you give me an uh, illustration of the rapture of the saints Uh, not the sneaky rapture not the secret rapture but uh, being translated from earth to heaven without dying who would you mention how many would say Elijah How many would say somebody else? How many would say Enoch? How many would say Enoch and Elijah? You're both right. Okay, Enoch and Elijah, both translated to heaven without dying. Uh, When it comes to uh, uh, the whole quality of love, uh, who would you pick in the New Testament? John, the apostle of love his Gospels and his three epistles plus the book of Revelation. If I ask you this morning, okay, who exemplifies the Lord Jesus Christ as the weeping prophet, uh, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, who would you pick out? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Everybody say Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Okay, so God has picked out certain men uh, with certain characteristics or some major quality that is in his own nature and being and set them forth as examples to us. Now, If I asked you, uh, who do you think God would pick out or who would you pick out as a worshipper and a warrior, who would you pick? David. Everybody say David. So this is what the prophet's talking about here. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. And so the Lord says three things about him. He says, I have given him for a witness. Number one, a witness to the people. Number two, I've given him for a leader. And number three, I've given him for a commander to the people. So David is picked out as a leader, As a, pardon me, number one, as a witness, number two, as a leader, and number three, as a commander. If you haven't circled those words that I'm reading from Authorized here, maybe you'd like to circle those words. But it's in that order. David is first a witness. And then after being a witness, he's a witness of what? Then he's a leader. And after being a leader, he's a commander. So the Lord picks out David, as a witness, a leader, and a commander. I'd like you to turn over to uh, Revelation chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, because as we link Isaiah chapter 55 and uh, Revelation chapter 5, we find that uh, John uh, is, is caught up in the spirit and he sees a book in the throne and it's sealed. And uh, before that book is opened, it costs John tears. And uh, one of the, as he's weeping there, one of the elders said to John, Don't weep, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is worthy to open the book. Now Revelation chapter 22 gives us a very interesting verse here. So David is set forth as a witness, a leader, and a commander. So in Revelation 22 verse 16 he says... I, Jesus, have sent mine angel, or literally my messenger, to testify unto these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Very significant thing the Lord Jesus says about himself here. First of all, he says, I am the root of David. Then he says, I am the offspring of David. Now, we have, just pardon my voice here, but we have two uh, theological truths there. As the root of David, the root is the source. And as the offspring of David, that's the fruit. So we have the root and the fruit. So when we speak of Jesus as the root of David, we're referring to his his divinity. In fact, the Lord Jesus said to the uh, Pharisees and the scribes one time when they'd been asking him questions, uh, he said, let me ask you a question. He says, uh, of Christ the Messiah, whose, whose son is he? And they said, he's David's son. And so Jesus said, all right, How can he be David's son when he in spirit calls him Lord and said, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand. So how can Jesus be David's son and David's Lord? He is David's Lord as as to his divinity. He is David's son as to his humanity. Or he's the root and the offspring of David. He's David's Lord as to root and yet he's David's offspring as to being David's son. And so, I like how that chapter ended up, it says, from that day they did not dare ask him any more questions. (laughs) How many think Jesus had a good sense of humor? Ask your question, how many think Jesus had a good sense of humor? Now I want you to turn just for our last few moments to the book of Revelation, and uh, David is the man we're looking at here, he is both a worshipper and a warrior. Now when we come to the book of Revelation itself with all the various themes that run through this book, I've found that there are two major themes, along with so many other themes, but two major themes that we're looking at in our series together. One is the theme of warfare and the other is the theme of worship. So in the book of Revelation, the ultimate book of the Bible where we see the Lord Jesus Christ as the root and offspring of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, first the lion, then the lamb... And we'll see the significance of that in uh, appropriate time. We see that Revelation is a book of war and it's warfare and it's also a book of worship. I want you just for uh, just our closing moments here to look at some scriptures on warfare. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And uh, I'd encourage you to circle the word that we're looking at. Warfare. Songs of worship, songs of warfare, worship and warfare. What is the link between those two? All right, chapter 11, Revelation chapter 11, and we have the chapter here on the two witnesses, and in verse 7 we're told, and when they, that is the two witnesses, shall have finished their testimony, the beast, who I personally believe is the Antichrist, that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. So the Antichrist makes war against the two witnesses and are here overcomes them, making war. Revelation chapter 12, and uh, now in verse uh, 7. The vision of Revelation chapter 12, very controversial chapter. Personally, I believe that the woman there is the church, the bride of Christ. And uh, we have the birth of the man-child, lots of controversy over that. But uh, just briefly, I'll say what I believe here. I believe that Revelation chapter 12 is the ultimate fulfilment, the ultimate fulfilment, now there's been a number of fulfillments, but the ultimate fulfilment of Revelation chapter, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, where the Lord said to Adam and said to Eve, and to the serpent, the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. And here we have a woman typified first of all in Eve, we have the seed of the woman represented, I believe, here in the man-child. And the advent of the man-child to heaven, caught up to God in His throne, is the signal for war. So verse 7, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and, and the dragon fought in his angels... And hallelujah for verse 8. They prevail not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. What a war that's going to be. All the wars of earth are nothing compared to what this war is going to be in heaven. War in heaven. Michael and his angels against the dragon and his angels. Heavenly warfare, angelic warfare. That's going to be the war to end all wars. Look at verse 17 while we're in chapter 12. The moment the dragon is cast out of heaven to earth, uh, we're told in verse 17, and the dragon was wroth, or wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. So the seed of the woman, the man-child was caught up to heaven, but the remnant, the remaining ones, literally that which is left over, the remaining ones, those who were left behind, the whole significance of the remnant. The dragon was wroth with the woman, went to make war with the remaining ones, though that which was, was left behind of a seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So there's war against the remnant of a seed. Go to chapter thirteen, chapter thirteen and verse four. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And down in verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Saints, whether we like it or not, we are at war. How many know that? How many can say amen? We are at war. Spiritual warfare. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now as I've studied the book of Revelation over the years, uh, there are two basic groupings here. Those who are overcomers and those who are overcome. To him that overcomes, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. Uh, I don't want to be overcome, I want to be an overcomer. Amen. Everybody said amen. amen. A very weak amen there. You want to be overcome or an overcomer? Overcome. Okay, overcomer, don't forget the er. <laughs> okay, so overcome the saints and made war with them and, and power was given to him over all kindreds, tongues and nations. Let's go to a couple of more verses here. Uh, Revelation 17, verse 14. Revelation 17, verse 14. So the theme of warfare. Revelation is a book of warfare. Verse 14 says these, referring to verse 12, the ten horns, uh, the ten kings of what I believe are the Antichristal Empire, empire that will be in existence at the second coming of Christ. These shall make war with the Lamb. And I think the next part of the verse is worth a hallelujah, don't you? The Lamb shall overcome them. It doesn't say they'll make war with the lion. They'll make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb will overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him, three opposites here. Cold and frozen and slothful. What does your Bible say? Cold, not cold. Now some Christians are cold. We're cold. And some are frozen especially Christian chocolate soldiers. (laughs) Chosen instead of frozen, and faithful instead of slothful. But the Lamb's going to make war and overcome them. Last couple of scriptures here, Revelation chapter 19. So right through the book, we've just picked out the major verses. Warfare, warfare, war in heaven. Uh, Devil makes war against the remnant of the woman's seed. Uh, The kings make war against the lamb. Revelation 19. And verse 11, and I saw heaven open, not a pale horse, but a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And not only is he on his horse, verse 14, I'm on mine. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And uh, out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should smite the nations. Go to verse 19 And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his his army. And as I understand this chapter and most uh, people do uh, I understand this is the battle of Armageddon. And Armageddon is not uh, Russia or China against America or America fighting someone else It's not any nation against nation As I understand Armageddon it's Christ and his armies against Antichrist and his armies and as I often say when Armageddon takes place Armageddon out of the way how many are coming with me (laughs) let's finish on this and pick this up saints whether we like it or not or whether we believe it or not we are at war Waverly Christian Fellowship is at war there's a satanic attack on this church did you know that up in the hills there's a bunch of satanist churches who are worshipping Satan and having warfare? I'm talking about worship and warfare. I've only done the introduction. But they are worshipping Satan and they're in warfare against marriages, against young people, against leaders in the church, against churches, Christian churches. They are praying and fasting, worshipping Satan and warfare. And did you know that Waver Christian Fellowship is on the hit list? I might explain some of the things that are going on in this church the attack on some people in this church so I want to ask you the question do you know what the war is all about do you know who the real enemies are and Satan cannot conquer the church from without but he could destroy it from within so we're going to talk about standards we're going to talk about worldliness we're going to talk about a lot of things in the next number of weeks I'm going to rattle your cage I'm going to shock some of you but if we want to be winners in the war not sing about the war and clap our hands and these wonderful songs on warfare, but sit back as an armchair general. Let's all stand. Come back next week for this exciting episode. Everybody said amen. Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.